Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of Meta Strategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Sheila Jordan, who I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast. Sheila is the Chief Digital and Technology Officer at Honeywell, the Charlotte, North Carolina-based conglomerate with revenues exceeding $40 billion annually. In this role, Sheila is responsible for technology associated with the corporate IT function, as well as everything from legal, finance, contracts, human resources, and strategic business unit technology. Prior to joining Honeywell, Sheila was the Chief Information Officer of Symantec. In this interview, we discuss why data is the currency for any digital transformation, how the IT organization moved from being 69% outsourced to much more heavily insourced, and how the pandemic has supplied the market with significant amount of world-class talent. We discuss how Honeywell has successfully identified, hired, and onboarded new employees during the pandemic, why video is here to stay, and the increasing importance of security in a remote workforce. Lastly, we discuss an overview of Honeywell's connected enterprise, the state of the union of women in IT, Sheila's take on AI, and a variety of other topics. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Peter, you keep calling us an unusual enterprise software company. I think we should talk about that a bit. Yes, we have not borrowed a single dollar from a VC or a bank and ended up bootstrapping our way to multi-billion dollar SaaS business with over 60 million enterprise users. That itself is unusual for a tech company. But the principle that have kept us from accepting VC term sheets are simple. We believe all our employees should have good night's sleep each night, be it month end, quarter end, or year end. To enable this principle, we have stayed private and have not dipped into public money. We don't believe in debt and discourage anyone from getting in one. A good night's sleep has its premium. Yes, we believe in good night's sleep and eating healthy foods. That's why we leave money on the table. It comes from our principle of eating healthy food. Just because there is food on the table, we don't believe it's healthy to eat it all. Therefore, any product we market, be it CRM, Sign, Help Desk, and 100 others, These will be many multiples cheaper than our nearest competitor. And it comes from the principle of leaving money on the table. Find out more about our unusual enterprise company at Zoho.com. Thanks, Timothy. I also wanted to share a quick message from our sponsor, Sykes. Sykes is a leading provider of multi-channel demand generation and customer engagement services, helping Global 2000 companies enhance touch points at every stage of the customer journey. To share some perspectives, I'll briefly turn it over to Ian Barkin, the company's chief strategy and marketing officer. Customers don't want and don't deserve a new normal. They deserve and want a better normal. At Sykes, we know this because we spend over 3 billion minutes a year listening to and serving customers of the world's leading brands. And with that much listening, you can't help but know what delights, what infuriates, and what drives customer behaviors and decisions. So, what is a better normal? We believe it's the delivery of a truly intelligent customer experience. The call to action has never been clearer for CIOs, CTOs, and the broader C-suite. 
new is not enough, and the time for tinkering has passed. The winning combination of technology, talent, and customer insight is how to create intelligent customer experiences and a truly better normal. To read more about intelligent customer experiences, check out sykes.com forward slash ICX. Thanks, Ian. And now on to our interview. Sheila Jordan, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you again. Great. Hi, Peter. So nice to hear you and see you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, uh, Sheila, I thought we would begin our conversation with your role. You were the Chief Digital Technology Officer at Honeywell. And uh, talk a bit about that. That's an interesting combination of, of uh, areas of responsibility that translates, each side of that translates differently in different kinds of organizations. And yours is quite a large and complex one. Talk a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, about how that translates into your environment. What is your purview? Yeah, so um, so I joined Honeywell really because of the mission of the organization. Our CEO and Chairman Darius and the management team have a very, very aggressive and very um, in exciting digital transformation agenda. We have many, almost every function in the organization. So think of your traditional functions, HR, finance, legal, procurement, as well as, I'm sorry, supply chain, as well as our strategic business units all have digital initiatives that they're driving within the organization. In the role or IT sits kind of at the hub of that. We help with the technology. We help with data. And data is so important, as we all know, because I view data as the digital current, as the currency of digital transformation. To make all this work, you have to make sure that you're extracting data from those silos of ERP and Salesforce and all that and creating it so that it really does create an experience for our customer partners and employees that connects our knowledge about them and gives them this frictionless, seamless experience of how they interact with Honeywell moving forward. So under the purview, I have um, the technology associated with the corporate IT world, everything from you know, legal, finance, contracts, HR, all the way through the SBG technology or the strategic business unit technology, as well as making sure that we really do uh, harmonize the data across the organization and use that data in, in building this frictionless experience for our employees, customers, and partners. Very interesting. And that's, that's easier said than done as, as large and complex <laughs> as this organization is. Can you talk a bit about, and perhaps some of this predates uh, as you're nine or so months in, the, the origins of it may predate your time with the, with the company, but can you talk a bit about that process of harmonizing the data? You, you make such a great point that in order to get the full value out of that currency, that, that currency of digital transformation, that you need to make sure that you are governing that appropriately um, so that you can draw the appropriate insights from that, make better decisions and so on. Talk a little bit about some of the building blocks to get there. Yeah, so the first thing is, I think three, three years ago, they decided to centralize IT. So the majority of the centralized, majority of the uh, corporate IT is centralized, but simultaneously, the management team has done such a great job at creating what I call global design models. So if we're going to go to a single ERP or a single Salesforce or it's single e-commerce, then we have to decide what the process is and having a global design model. So the good news is we create these global design models for, you know, the major, major um, processes and technology across the organization. And then ultimately every strategic business unit will converge on that, converge on that global design model. Additionally, and I'll get a little bit technical for a second, you have to create your customer masters, your product masters. You got to make sure you have materials masters. So making sure that you have the data structured in a way that's 
it's holistic, but also centralized. So we're all using that same consistent, both data structure as well as the technology. So the organization has done an amazing job at creating this. We actually have a transformation day once a month where we actually talk about whatever projects are in flight and whatever work we're doing so that we can all converge on these um, in a, in a streamlined, consistent standard approach. Now, having said that, as you said, our business units are very different. We have aerospace, oil and gas, Honeywell business technology, um, the Honeywell connected enterprise, and they all have their own nuances. So as you structure and design and converge and have standardization on 80% of it, you have to allow for that 20% of flexibility that each of the other strategic business units need to run their business. Yeah, that's that's interesting and getting that balance right. It's a, a, yes. that's a no no easy feat, I'm sure. I, I know that uh, you, you mentioned to me that um, when you arrived in the organization, the model for IT, despite being centralized, was also largely outsourced. And I know that's a process that's being rethought. I wonder if you could take a moment and describe the the rationale behind it and some of the progress towards uh, bringing more more resources inside the, the organization. Yeah, great question, Peter. So yes, when I came in, I was completely um, a little bit overwhelmed and, and excited about the digital agenda. Almost every function inside the organization and every strategic business unit has a digital initiative going on. I think we have dozens and dozens of massive transformational programs in flight, which is really super exciting. And really, quite honestly, I think it's going to make a have a have a significant differentiator for Honeywell going forward. But then the next thing I did was to look at the IT team, and at the time we're about 69% outsourced. Well, I love working with consultants and strategic SIs and systems integrators, et cetera. But the reality is, is that one, you pay a premium for that. And two, more importantly, is you bring them in to do the work, do the implementation, get the work and the project completed, but then they walk out the door. So there's no way that we were prepared in the IT organization to really uh, continue to operate and run on an ongoing basis to sustain the digital transformation agenda. So I was able to get approved that we're going to move a 39 of our key strategic initiatives and insource those. And it's interesting because I think I did this when it was day 75 with the organization and we got approved to go ahead and hire a couple hundred, um, hundreds of people actually, um, mostly based in Charlotte, Phoenix, and Arizona. But then of course, we have a big contingency in four cities in India. And so we got this approved and it's like, okay, that's fantastic. Now, how do you actually go hire onboard, nurture, develop you know, hundreds of people in, in a pandemic. <laughs> so another quite significant challenge, but we really partnered with our marketing organization. We treated this as a digital campaign. We went aggressively into all the social channels. We leveraged our, all of our networks. And actually, quite honestly, given other changes in other companies, the, the supply for world-class talent is in the marketplace right now. So of the several hundred people that we're hiring, we have a real significant supply. I think at the last count, I had 15,000 applicants. So it's just as a testimony to the talent that's in the marketplace right now. So we've been able to really, really focus on hiring a global diverse workforce across the globe. I want to drill into something fascinating that you mentioned there, that you partnered with marketing and considered this like a digital campaign. I've never... You know, that is a really interesting way to frame this, to think about all of a sudden you have, so you are traditionally marketing to people who are would-be and current customers who by definition are outside of the walls of your offices. Now you're in an environment where 
the people you work with and, and perhaps most importantly, the people who you are newly working with um, also are outside the walls of your offices and therefore don't have the, you know, means of just by virtue of water cooler talk, going to lunch together, the casual meeting after the meeting of getting to know one another. Talk a little bit about that, that insight, because that's a really, I've not heard it referred to as such, and that strikes me as particularly poignant. Well, to me, it's all about, and I think what we're learning from the pandemic is how extensive you can use and how extensible the technology is. So right now, again, we partner with marketing to create, you know, the, the campaign we're hiring, we're hiring at Honeywell, and here are the specific roles and jobs that we are hiring for. And this is all blasted across LinkedIn. I was on LinkedIn several times. But more importantly, once you hire, you've got to train the hiring manager, the recruiting team, you've got to train all that. We do some fairly significant assessments during the hiring process to make sure that you, you're going to fit in. And I'll talk more about the Honeywell culture to make sure that the culture is a good fit for you and for them. So we do both just general assessments and technical assessments, but then we're not done. So now you've got to onboard in a way that people aren't really coming into the office. So how do you onboard vis-a-vis digitally, getting them their laptops, making sure they're engaged. We created a new joiner community so that all of a sudden they have this, you know, people like them that are joining the organization that they can talk to. So we're completely leveraging and really extending the use of all social channels, all social means, all, all ways you can communicate and chat and have kind of those informal, informal discussions with the new joiner community. And then the next thing we're doing is to get the management ready because the management, quite honestly, if you're managing strategic uh, systems integrators and you're managing consultants, that's very different than ensuring that you're developing and growing your staff. So I just kicked off this week, actually, a 10-week boot camp for our managers to really refresh basic things around, you know, what the, how you lead in a performance culture, because Honeywell is very much a performance culture. You know, what are the strategies? What's important? How do you not only hire, but we've, we've again, identified, we've hired, and now we want to have onboarded, and now we want to make sure that we're creating an environment that we're nurturing, growing, and developing this, this incredible talent that we've just hired. So this 10-week boot camp is really designed to be a refresher and for both the senior directors and directors, but also for new managers about here's the expectation of management here at Honeywell. So we've just kicked that off as well. And again, all of this is happening digitally. Yeah, well, it's so interesting. And have you thought about, uh, Sheila, um, the learnings from this that will extend once, uh, hopefully before too long, when we reach some sort of new normal, there, there, a lot of these ideas have come out of necessity, as this, as the saying goes, a necessity is the mother of invention. Well, there's a lot that's newly uh, necessary as a result of these most unusual um, circumstances. What of the changes that you've described do you think are going to have the biggest impact even going forward once people can return to offices safely and so forth? Well, I think a lot of things. I think that, you know, what we're seeing are pockets of the organization that are actually more productive by working from home. So, um, you know, there are some examples like call center agents, for example, we're seeing that there's an increase in the productivity. So I think as an organization, you look at, and we're very much a manufacturing company, so that's not a work from home option. But um, so you have to really think about the roles, the responsibilities, who's doing what and what makes sense. I do think, though, that what I've learned is, you know, been deeply encouraging the organization. And I learned this at Cisco years ago, that um, video is really important. Video does so much versus audio. The facts are that 98% of the people on an audio call are multitasking. They're doing something else and they're not really paying attention. If you're on video, you know, by the way, 54% of communication is nonverbal. 
So video isn't like being in person, but it makes such a big difference than being on audio. So I've really been bullish and been an evangelist of turn on your video inside the organization because I think you're more engaged, you're focused. You, you got to, for girls, you got to put your makeup and hair down. You feel like you got to go to work and get ready for the video. So I just think it really uh, helps in the exchange and the engagement in the in the, in the overall participation. So I think video is going to stay, whether we work from home or go back to the office, I think there'll be parts of the organization that will still be working remotely or not in the same office. And I think video is going to, is here to stay. I really believe that. You know, it's also interesting as I think about your background, you mentioned Cisco, which is where I got to know you. You were the senior vice president of IT and communications and collaboration. Uh, you were also the CIO at Symantec. And so, so from, from your days at Cisco, you had a very early appreciation for the power of video, as you just described. You've been, you know, thinking about it through uh, Cisco products, for example, um, longer than most people and for, <laughs> at, a, at a much more deep level. You're citing statistics, uh, no <laughs> doubt, that you've been tracking for some time, I would imagine. And then yeah. likewise, security has a different <laughs> lens during this, this uh, moment as well. Another area that you're, you have great depth from your past experience. So in many ways... You know, it strikes me that your background, the places you've been even prior to Honeywell, have prepared you unusually well for some of the things that are most important during this crisis. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, I, I yes, Peter, I do. And I think that, you know, I always do think that your experiences just make, you know, you just make you smarter and you can leverage those experiences to apply in different situations. And I think really that's what experience in life is about, is taking those experiences and then applying them in different environments. But you're, you're absolutely right, especially on the security side, is you know, while everyone's working from home, you're not necessarily on the corporate protected network. So in the bad guys and the bad actors statistically are getting worse and they're getting creative and they're doing all sorts of things. So I think it really does make sure we have to make sure that as we allow this enablement from home, that we're continuing to educate phishing attacks and continually to educate the employee base on, you know, how, how at risk they can be. So both of those come to fruition, especially when you're working from home and we're all more digitally. It's not, security isn't going to go away, nor is video. So it's things that we have to, in both ends of the bookends, we got to make sure that we're smart about it, making sure that we're really delivering a, a standard of operational excellence around that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, as uh, as you um, look to the future um, beyond the, the, the pandemic, um, you know, how, how do you, um, you've, you've talked a little bit about some of the areas that are, you, you talked, for example, uh, forgive me, not necessarily beyond the pandemic, during the current circumstances as well. You, you were mentioning there's some strategic projects that you're undertaking that um, you, you determined, you and the team determined uh, necessitate bringing people in. Uh, so some of these particularly st strategic activities require employees so the learnings don't go out the door at the conclusion of the projects themselves. Can you, can you talk a bit about some of those areas of strategic importance, some of the things that you and the team will be focused on in the foreseeable future? Yeah, so a couple of things. So if you've read up on Honeywell, we're really moving into this Honeywell Connected Enterprise. And what that does is it really takes all the things that we've done historically and really create, it's a software, the easiest way to explain that is we're building the operating system for IoT. So think about the operators that run these buildings. And so think about how you use your phone today and you run your home through Nest or some of the technology and you can turn the, the thermostat on or off. You can see your security cameras and, and those kinds of things as an individual running their home. Well, in the Honeywell Connected Enterprise, think about the person that runs 100 buildings across the globe. And all of a sudden I can see with, um, the, connect with the software and the connected operating system for all IoT devices how those devices are connected 
inside those buildings. So let's take a, for example, a building in Dubai, I'm an operator and I'm in New York and I can pick up my computer and see, is the HVAC system working? Is the, is the quality of the air good? Is the sensors working as expected? What's happening with the thermostats and heating and cooling? What's happening with the lights? Who's going in and outside the building? And that can all be monitored with analytics and all be monitored by the individual sitting in New York for their global footprint. You know, I didn't recognize it, but Honeywell actually controls 25% of the non-residential property in the world. So stadiums, buildings, facilities, hospitals, we already have those controls. And when you think about Honeywell Connected Enterprise, we're actually going to be syncing that together from a software standpoint and running that with both software and IoT and all of, of course, the analytics. It's going to be super powerful to really manage that level of property across the globe. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I uh, and and do you have any special insights? Maybe those are still in the early stages of coming through um, as to what the future of these buildings might look like. You talked about some of the things you're helping to monitor, and 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 no doubt those those become um, even have a different and 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 more important area of focus under the current circumstances. Uh, um, People are talking about the the different ways in which buildings are going to be situated, at least during a hybrid period before we're truly post-pandemic. Um, any, any thoughts or learnings from what, does, uh, given the scale of uh, and the statistical significance of the data that you're able to draw, 25% of the non-residential buildings in the world, um, any any interesting conclusions you're drawing? Yeah, from? I think it's it's a really combination of Honeywell Connection Enterprise and then home building technologies. So think about every single thing in, the, in, the, in your facility being connected and digital. So from the parking garage to knowing who you are to we now have technologies that you can actually do temperature checking when you come in. So it's not only the digital being connected and running the building efficiently and, and efficiently and effectively, understanding the quality of the air, understanding the, 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 the aspects of how the business is, the building is running but it's going to also be about your safe and health. So we're going to be able to do temperature checks to make sure we're going to be offering some other safety, you know, of course, all the, the safety and protective gear, the PPE equipment, we have all that. So I think the, 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 the think of the whole new building as being completely automated, completely digital, but also doing it in a way that you are much more safe and secure and healthy. Yeah. Very interesting. I wanted to ask you, Sheila, um, as somebody who's been a CIO multiple times over, and I, you know, one of the one of the leaders, I think, in a movement, a growing sorority, if I can put it that way, of female uh, CIOs, it's been great to see so many more. We were talking before we we began recording about uh, just the number of them that are in Charlotte, where you currently uh, live and work. Um, you know, talk a little bit about your own perspective um, as somebody who's been, I, I think, ahead of this trend personally, as, as, as somebody who's personified the trend ahead, ahead of a wave that's come behind you. Where, what are, where is the sort of state of play uh, with regards to, uh, to women in, in technology from your perspective? So I'm happy to say that it is growing and it is becoming, it's becoming um, more. And to give you some examples of that is I actually participated in uh, the Silicon Valley. I'm still an honorary member. They let me stay <laughs> as, as the the women CIO community in Silicon Valley. And when we started this five years ago, there were eight of us. And I'm happy to report that like, as of this, this recently, there's our distribution list is now 24. Now it's not enough, but to have that kind of growth as women CIOs in Silicon Valley is just absolutely fantastic. And it's just, it's just amazing to see the women grow into that. Women are now giving the chance and they, in the, I always knew that women were qualified to do these roles, but to give them the chance and to have them make and breaking through those specific levels and areas across 
across all industries. It's quite exciting to see. The other thing I would say is that, you know, there's this perception or myth that kind of drives me crazy that, you know, women are mean and women don't help each other. And, you know, we just don't support each other. And I would just say that that's completely false. I mean, we meet with the women in Silicon Valley CIOs once a month. We now do Zoom calls. We're all talking about areas that we can help each other personally and professionally. We're all looking if somebody's looking for a different job or someone needs to move or we have a role that we need to get filled. It's like an incredible, incredibly strong network that we're all really super supportive of each other. Again, personally and professionally, and I just deeply value and cherish that. So it really is fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. It's fun to coach the new CIOs, the new women CIOs. It's fun to coach them a bit. So it's just been, it's been super personally rewarding for me to see that explosion. That's wonderful. Yeah. What great progress that is. Um, I wanted to also ask you, as you look to the future, we've talked about a number of trends and a number of trends that have become central to some of the offering you've been talking talking about uh, uh, within Honeywell. What other trends particularly excite you as you look to the future? Well, I actually think the biggest one is I actually think AI machine learning, we're really ready for it. I know that's been out there for a while. I know we talk about it and I know we've got some companies have really advanced their thinking in it and we have a lot of that built into our products. But I mean AI specifically in running IT. You know, there's a whole notion now of AI ops, and you almost think that's contradictory or, you know, not the same sentence. But when you think about where AI is good, it's when you have this plethora of data and and lots and lots of data that you want to to extract insights from it. So I've, I've renamed AI, artificial intelligence, like what does that really mean, to actionable insights. It's still AI. Because I really think that when you look at operations, for example, running IT or anything that has this plethora of data, and you want to extract those things that make a difference, those things that are actionable, those things are, wow, I didn't know that that server over there was really affecting those applications, or I didn't know if we made this one tweak here, it would have a massive effect on the overall experience for our, for our um, employees and customers and partners. So I think that's becoming very, very, very real. In fact, We're getting ready to launch what we're calling a smart virtual assistant inside the organization that is going to help solve all the demands and requests from our employees. We'll start with IT first, but the reality is is we're going to be able to introduce a AI machine learning, a smart virtual assistant that will really enable us to give a different, it will change the game and how our employees operate within within Honeywell and actually provide those a more efficient and highly value added service that's really done with, you know, a bot or using automation. Very interesting. Exciting things to come to say the least. Yes. Well, Sheila Jordan, thank you so much for for joining me today. It's been great seeing you as usual. And thank you for the great insights uh, from your current, uh, your your current position during these most unusual times. It's been a great conversation. It's my pleasure, Peter. It's great to see you as well. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Monday when my guest will be Peter Weil, the executive director of MIT's Scissor.